This episode of Ain't That Swell, the original degenerate surf radio show, is brought to you by Billabong. Number one, standing up and supporting the swellian since day dot. Rinsing your dot with the bong cron on your legs, your arms, wetties, you name it, they make it. It's good shit. And one of the sickest things about the bong and it always has been, is their contribution to surf culture through surf film. Far out, man. You go back, fuck, as far back as you want. Surf in the summer, filthy habits, pump, green iguana, sons of fun, etc. Still filthy. And most recently, Interlusion, which I think was nearly a shoe-in for film of the year had Nosvid not dropped, but it is by far one of the great surfing surf trips if you want to get some core energy into your bones. Right now, uh, over on Stab Premium, you can check out not a Billabong film, but definitely a Billabong collab uh, featuring the great style master from the far north coast of New South Wales, Jai Glindo Glinderman, doing his best to try and recreate a stab in the dark to no avail. But the project was eventually dropped into the hands of Danny Johnson, dear friend of this show, the Wet Lettuce, as long-time fans may recall him as. And uh, these days he's over there basically managing uh, a lot of top-quality productions coming out of the Stab Premium Production Room. And this is a lot of fun to watch. Check it out. Surf films are hard over on Stab Premium right now. Well-played Wet Lettuce, well-played Billabong. Hey, uh, well, first of all, I'd like to say... And the ASP are gonna find me. Cause I wanna be a part of this fucking dumb wannabe tennis tour. You know, I think they got their his testicles so far up their mouths that this is bullshit. You know. I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm just thinking about having won the world title and and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in and just smack the quarterback. Drop down. Say bah. Well, I'll tell you, Stu. I did travel some humongous waves. Oh, that's the table thing. Oh, that looks good, Not bad. Ain't that swell with Jed and Vaughn. Oh, those guys are back! <laughs> Get a haircut. Yeah, shredheads, waxheads, kooks and barnies. Welcome to Ain't That Swell, the radio show dedicated to cutting fucking seeds. I'm your host, the two-time gold cone piece award-winning surf journalist, Scum Valley's finest himself, the punch-drunk pikey, the sultan of psilocybin, the maestro of micro-dosing. And I'm joined here as always Hi, by my on. loyal co-host, Hi, oh, Smivy. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those days, rinsed corn, and you it was one of those yeah. days. Uh, been out of the brine for a while, my friend, with a filthy, stinking, rancid, Gangrenous fin chop. Oh, and, no. Uh, yeah, I'm just... How did uh, that happen? Ah, uh, just the usual fucking... Uh, just my own fin just... Uh, had a gut full of me trying to pack pointless tiny nuggets at a break wall around here mm. and thought it would just send me in like I should have sent myself in hours earlier. Fuck spewing, man. But I uh, didn't get a bite of that onion. Unfortunately, barely a bite. A nibble. One caramelised little strand of onion. It was fucking not oh, that tasty either. There's a few crew getting into this onion juice, though. No, I bet there was. Fanning up the coast. You see what he was? He was, looking, oh, he was like did. Shrek, just fucking gorging onions. Mm, yeah, he was. Mm, Shrek-like. Uh, of course, joined here <laughs> by my loyal co-host and friend, frontman of the Goons of Doom, mm. former editor of Surfing World magazine, Tracks magazine, 
and Waves magazine. Born, rinsed corn, deadly hey. born. How did you go in the onion? Were you crying tears of ecstasy or agony? Mate, it was agony for me too, Smith. Because uh, I've been on the slow burn heel since me, uh, me tummy up. I've just uh, haven't really felt all that confident chasing the big ones yet. So I've just been sneaking little sessions in here and there and sort of having fun again. But I picked up a new Ernie Burn 66 and mm. oh mate house of burn I'm just going to say it cuz I'm I'm giving the kind of plug cuz he fucking is a genius. Oh plug him. He is plug a, him peg him he, give him the he's works. He's a mad he's a mad genius. He's he's making his own fins up there for the the 66 twins and this thing mate like I was riding what two foot pass and it was just fanging like mm. fanging and I was instantly just falling back in love with surfing just on the back of riding this this fucking Crazy cosmic geniuses craftsman. And uh yeah, it was good. But uh on the flip side of that, Smivy, you know, you know when there's just cooking waves and you you're getting on the you know, the social media plague Ugh. digs its tentacles into your brain and you you've had a fun surf, but then you look at what other people are getting in you, the comparison. Comparison. It's, yep. the, it's the key to depression and unnecessary unhappiness and you just gotta not do it. They are fucking so unbelievably toxic, phones and uh, the mind crack, mm. Instagram, social media channels. It's mind-meltingly oh, poor. It's so dismal. It Comparison is the enemy of joy. And it's crazy. I had a cracked phone recently, so I had to go back to the analog uh, you know, Nokia flip phone. And mm. fuck, the amount of mental bandwidth it freed up yes. was, yeah, it was a marked increase in cognitive space and uh, just groovy, chill Chillax, it is. It vibes. is. Oh, dude, you, there's no question. Like, um, I was feeling funky, fresh, twenty four seven. Have you copped uh, Lost Connections yet? Uh, the the Johan Hari book. The I new have. One? Yes. Oh, just, I mean, it's a pearler. I had a, I had a. Uh, is that what it's called? Lost Connections. No. I'm, oh, I'm you're talking about the, the other 18, one. No, yeah. the new one. The, the new one. one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I haven't oh, read that fuck. One yet. What's it called? Stolen Focus. That's ah, what it's called. Yes, <laughs> mate. If you ever want to read a book to just like. We all know what phones are doing to us, but if you read this book, you make the effort to give yourself space because it's it's just it, it is so invasive, man. It invades your happiness. It invades your just sense of peace and mm. and fucking the moment is gone. You're constantly just fucking trawling. So yeah, really good. But same deal. I uh, I accidentally just left the home without my phone the other day for the whole weekend, and I was just like, what? How good is this? Mm. But then, you know, can you access Ain't That Swell if you haven't got your phone and exactly. plugged into your Bluetooth? I don't know, mate. It's a heavy choice. It's heavy. One uh, or the other. Well, yeah. And I'm actually trying to work out this kind of drug dealer spec double phone operation <laughs> where I've got the Nokia <laughs> flip phone, the analog that's on me, and uh, then I keep the mobile phone, uh, the smartphone, in my car and elsewhere so I can uh, listen to podcasts. Mm. Uh, but it's not my primary phone. It's just my activities phone because I am... Dead set committed to just seeing this little smartphone fuck itself in the ass and yeah. fucking it right off. Yeah. Had a gutful. And they give you fucking cancer. They're, they're nuking our junk. <laughs> <laughs> they're fucking electromagnetic yep. frequency rays. They're a, a class two carcinogen. They're absolutely just torching us. Unbelievable. 50,000 different ways. And they're built to break. So they're fucking reaming you in the pocket as well. Mm. They're just, I don't know. 
What a, I, mean, what a, I mean, we all what a sad world we live in. Smith. We all saw what happened to Jobsy, bruh. Mm. I mean, the cunt's worm food. He had a fucking, he had a uh, a stomach cancer the size of a Spalding basketball. Oh no! And it took him right down. And uh, this guy was just, you know, the absolute wizard of Sauron, just surrounded by mm. uh, an ex- electromagnetic frequency force field, and it just fucking perished him. He had cancer just coming out of his bumhole, out of his mouth, just one giant cancer-ridden. Fucking planned obsolescent Mate. pest can't and yeah. he got what he deserved. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's not get what we deserve, which is enlightenment, peace, happiness, love, mung beans, and cones. Plenty of cones. Plenty Lord. of cones. Love it. Finger buns just sitting in the room. They're sweet and sticky and absolutely delicious. Finger buns. Finger buns. Feed your face in finger buns. Number five. Number five, Vaughn. The new season of Make or Break has arrived. Polish the gold cone piece. Order some dominoes. Get your meat sweat on and settle in for a full-blown binge session that will leave a crevasse in your ass and a crack in your couch. Mm. First episode, the Goat Clinic at Pipeline. Not bad. Good size, not bad, mm. but uh, I just it left me a little underwhelmed, to be honest. Uh, you know, I, I felt like it was, uh, and it's not their fault. Uh, you know, they've only got thirty minutes to package this up. Was it thirty minutes or, or an hour? No, it's only it's short, short. Yeah, yeah. geez, I went quick, whatever it was, because uh, yeah, you just you know haven't watched the the full spectacle unfold and uh, all the emotion and, and all the crazy surfing. It, it just wasn't able to encapsulate all that. And all it just left me thinking, you know, where's me Ken Burns 10 hour on the mm. go to pipe? Mm. You know, or even just the goat in general. Oh, where's Burnsy bra on mm. this one? I watched his, uh, his 8 hour on Muhammad Ali. And, uh, you know, he's got the 10 hour on the American Civil War. And he's, you know, he, Burnsy bra, get off your fucking hemorrhoidal ancient crevasse mm. and have a rip in on the goat. And I think it needs it. That that pipeline spectacle. I just thought it needed didn't need a more Vaughn. Yeah, I hear. I hear. I think in the context of of what they're trying to do, fitting fitting Slater's life and, and what that me, what win meant to him, it, it was almost an impossible task. Like it's just there's too much story. I mean, we're we're sort of lucky in the surf surfing universe to have ridden a lot of this journey with him, especially if you're my age. Fuck, mate. I mean, I was there when he first appeared. Just this uh, little Grom, sponsored by OP and Rip Curl, way back, way, way back. But yeah, man, I mean, uh, I think all things considered, yeah, they, they did a pretty good job, but it was just, it was too hard, too mm. much to fit in. And yeah, I think, you know, the Slater doco that's going to come out one day, hopefully it's like the last dance, you know, 12 hours of just complete dismantling and do- deep diving and getting stuck into all the relationships and the rivalries and all that sort of thing and we can just really you know marinate in goat mm. i'd like to marinate in goat oh yeah satay yeah. camping satay, style yeah, on, exactly. the on the little like the little uh side of the road indo mm-hmm. fire mm-hmm. with your little uh piece Banana of plastic leaf. just That's it. and uh yeah just get get some uh marinated barbecued goat into our lives but 
Yeah, it still affected me emotionally. Oh, it was good. And the, and the there was a couple of tears. Uh, well, you know, theoretical tears. Obviously, had my tear ducts removed as a child, but uh, I would have been crying if I could. Vaughn, there was just mm. some kind of weird gas coming out of my eyes. But yeah, yeah. I, you know, I felt the, the discharge. You could feel it. Yeah, yeah, you could feel I, it. I enjoyed it. I didn't not enjoy it. I just, I think my takeaway from this, which I really appreciated, even though it was fairly cringy, was just those little windows into goat life outside of the rashi. You know, mm. like uh, just making tea or, or perps at home or, uh, you know, hanging out with Kalani and... What about the supplement just... sack on the man? Are I you know. kidding me? Whoa! What's he not on? Jeez! What the heck? Man. Yeah. How many of them were uh, ayahuasca or Amazonian? That's what I was yeah. plants. Yeah, I'm going to have a good look. I'm going to freeze frame that and mm. get stuck right into this little uh, pile of pills. Oh, you do the math. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty classy. Um, I thought the interactions with the fans were just... Oh man! Imagine copping that twelve hours. Like every time you walk outside, oh, when are you going to retire, man? Like, oh, could you sign this? Or like, just uh, like in his life, he's got that level of attention and fame that is fucking unrelenting, mate. I st- unrelenting. I still have PTSD from covering those European leg uh, world tour events in the incessant screaming of Kelly, Kelly. Kelly! I love you, God! Oh, fuck, the way they hung on the wire like that just mm. pierced your cerebellum. It was yeah. awful. But he, he has this unbelievable fucking generosity with that whole thing. Like, he'll, he'll sit down there and sign autographs and, and meet people and just sort of just cop it. You know, like, we've seen it, mate. We've seen fucking drunk swellians slurring and spitting in his face while they're trying to get a selfie. And fuck, good on you for getting in there and getting the selfie. Well played. But the goat is just fucking, he's, he's so, he's such an impressive character, man. Like, fuck, I, I, you watch, I went back and actually watched um, uh, how surfers get paid and, and just sort of hearing him talk about, you know, the foundations and the philosophy of, of out and out oh. and stuff. And you just, yeah. you kind of just, that. you put all these things together. And you just can't help but marvel at what we've got in this bike. Like, he's pretty fucking... I, I, th- I think he's uh, endearingly awkward. You know, he, he cannot really function in the same human world that we all do. I mean, he, his relationship with Belly is kind of the closest thing that you see to him in this sort of natural, easygoing friendship. But other than that, a lot of his life is just these fucking endless, awkward encounters with people. Mm. It's radical. Mm. Radical way to live. Yeah, and as you mentioned, uh, with the outer known brand and, and just his kind of broader uh, caring attitude towards the direction of the planet and politics, and mm. uh, you know, he, he's kind of tracking for all time goatness. I know he's our goat, he's yeah. the surfing goat. Uh, the real goat, as we discussed, is Muhammad Ali, but he, he's tracking. He's tracking for Ali's uh, eternal goat status. Oh, and, big time. You know, if you ask me, at, at the same age, uh, if they were to duel, um, you know, go at 51, Ali at 51. I reckon the go to get a Parkinson's affected uh, <laughs> Ali. In a... Too soon? No. No, but you, you're dead right for, for one thing. But um, Isn't he like a black belt in jiu-jitsu, the go? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think the goat backs himself heavily. And, and, and that's probably why he does back himself so heavily uh, in any sort of uh, encounter with, with crew. If, he's, if people start getting threatened, like threatening or, or blowing up, with the threat of violence, or f- it's okay, Ricardo. It's okay, Ricardo. Yeah. I got this one. I got He's this like, one. Yeah, I'll meet you in the yeah. car park. No yeah. problem. See you soon. Ah. I'll take you out, bro. Um, but yeah, he's so good, man. I just, uh, I, I feel like they're the kind of things that this show 
shines a light on and you go, ah, cool. Because, yeah, the storytelling of, of that win is never going to fit in half an hour. Like, that's that could be a, a full-length doc on its own, as you exactly. say. Mm. But then, you know, the, the, I thought they did a good job because at least at the end, like, one of my favourite things in that episode, man, was before they paddle out, Seth Moniz is literally bowing his head to his uncle. Like, he's hugging him, you know, before they paddle out for the final, but his head is in that proper, submissive, like, oh, yeah. deep respect. Kelly's trying to submit him. He's trying to cut yeah. a bit of oxygen off. He, oh. Seth does He's like, oh, this hug's a little bit tighter than I had anticipated. It was so cool. It was so cool. And then at the end of the final, Kelly does the same. Like, just, and it's so natural. Like, but he's hugging Seth in the final and bowing his head in respect and tucking up under his wing and... Beautiful moment, man. Like, fucking, that show really does a good job. And the quote, uh, let the universe decide. I really like that from mm. the GOAT, just as Seth and Slater were about to paddle out for the final. Because, yeah, I mean, so much history between those two clans, Slater and the Monies, mm. as, you know, Tony being a close friend and mentor and, you know, him holding Seth as a child in nappies. Like, how surreal that is. Mm. The whole setup. And, you know, just to remove... The any kind of angst or passive aggression or mind games and just be like, let the universe decide. Let's go fucking hammer and tone at it. Love it. Rip in. And uh, yeah, it, look, it, it was a, a worthy attempt at encapsulating that and there's no chance that you could. So, <laughs> uh, um, But elsewhere, I mean, fire out, man. Um, so far, we've seen uh, a little insight into Taddy, the, the Braz wine, and jeez, uh, one of the real seething, passive-aggressive, snaky competitors on tour. Uh, kind of after watching this episode, made me realise she probably did burn Moana Jones-Wong at pipe on purpose. I, I just thought, like, like uh, that is something that she would do. Like, mm. just to, just like a little bit of mind control. Uh, you know, she knows they're going to be coming up against each other at pipe. And uh, just a little, you know, you see it like AI would have something AI would have done mm. back in the day at Pipe, um, and just burning the Grom, the local Hawaiian Grom, uh, or the the lesser uh, kind of known the upcoming talent. Like you haven't proven yourself, so I'm going to fucking fade you. The fact that she went dead straight on a barreling wave is baffling to me. <laughs> but uh, I, I just uh, my, I loved the Taddy app. Well, I loved it because it's kind of why. This show works so well in, in all its formats, whether it's, you know, tennis, golf, uh, Formula One. They've all got kind of a version of this. And I was just frothing on her sort of structures and value systems and commitment and just fucking putting it out there and being exactly who she thinks she is to, to get the job done. And I, I don't know. I, I felt like uh, we just did this greatest stories never told with Parco losing the world title. And understanding how deep the trauma runs after missing the world title by a single turn. I was actually thinking this when I was doing the story with Parko. Like, how the fuck do you actually come back from putting absolutely everything into a year and missing it? like And, and losing it even. Like, you, you've lost it. Same thing with Parko. He kind of had to just watch as it just disappeared out of his grasp. And then someone comes along and gets pulled. Um. Yeah, I just thought it was uh it's remarkable that you can even turn up after that sort of pure devastation and just total annihilation of your ego. And mm. I feel like she she is so like vulnerable and honest in the start of this show. She's not even pretending that she's in it. She's just there going, "Oh my god, I'm fucking got no energy. I'm 
I'm done. Like, do I care anymore? You know, she's sitting with Philippe having a beer and that looks like Margaret River. So she's already won a comp that year. She's sitting there just going, I'm fucking, how do I get back up for this? Like, I love that insight, man. Yeah, it's great I loved insight. it. I was, was just going, great wow. episode. And it, it, made me made me feel like, yeah, this, this girl has a lot of ticker. Mm. It made me respect Tatiana in a way that I hadn't really before. Yeah, it was a great insight into a complicated character who's finding her way through the competitive mm. matrix, which isn't easy, you know, where that line is between gamesmanship and overstepping it and whatnot. It's hard to find, and the best have struggled to find it, uh, including Slater, at, at different times in their career. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's the rub, Got in my it. opinion, Vaughn. Uh, across all the sports I've watched, I've watched many, I've played many, uh, as have you. Ha- have you. And mm. uh, what I've noticed is that if you linger on the side of poor sportsmanship, uh, if you're a grub, uh, you know, I'm not calling Tatiana a grub, I'm kind of thinking of rugby league. Yeah. You always get stitched up. There's this weird karmic thing that happens where you just lose in the, in those 50-50 tight struggles. Maybe it's in your own psyche. Uh, the same thing that caused you to kind of overstep the line is, is a bit of insecurity that bubbles up right at the, mm. the clutch moment yep. and you, you miss the moment or you pe- you, you just choke. Uh, but I feel like, yeah, you really have to kind of compete with a level of honour, dignity and, and, and just pure talent and skill. Uh, too much gamesmanship. Like, it, it's good to go hard at people. But you don't want to be playing shitty, silly little games like she was in uh, Mexico, I believe, against Sage Erickson. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you're creating uh, uh, an energy of negativity around your entire experience of trying to compete. You know, if people are, are literally paddling out against you, and it might work in some cases if you've got someone who isn't sort of mentally up for it, but a lot of people are just going to use it as a, a further motivation to make sure they fucking put you to the sword. And that could be it. That could be it. It might not be uh, your psyche that it affects so much at the real clutch moments. It could be your opponent's psyche where they dig that little bit deeper mm-hmm. just to fucking jam it right up you. Uh, yeah. I've experienced it personally on uh, football fields and uh, <laughs> don't recommend it. So uh, that, that's my take on it. Um, it's a good take. Yeah, just moving through the episodes that we've seen, Vaughn, uh, mate, it was all about episode three for mine, mm. the right family, and uh, jeez, it's been a tumultuous ride, hasn't it? Oh, um, wow. I mean, although Owen never did win that world title, and he really laments on that fact in this episode, for me, on an emotional level, like some of the performances he's pulled off, they transcend winning world titles. For me, they're more memorable than, than watching Australians win world titles mm. over the years. Uh, in particular, the, the comeback win at Snapper from the brain injury. I was on the beach for that. Not a dry eye in the house. One, one of the most surreal mm. sporting moments of all time. It was unfathomable at the time. Mm. Um, no, you know, They were trying to keep a lid on where he was at at the time in terms of his recovery and that. But you, you, the whispers were that, you know, like six to eight months earlier, he was still kind of learning to walk again yeah. and, and, and talk again. Um, the win at heavy chopes, which was, you know, as we learned in the episode after the, the initial brain injury and comeback, you know, he still wasn't right for a long time. He had a couple more head knocks um, while competing and surfing. And then to get the win at chopes, man, wow, what a performance that was. Mm. Just so much emotion coming out of him as he's getting blown out of mm. the filthiest. Famous. Famous. West Bowl nugs like, fuck, he was just putting on a clinic. Like, only he can, man. He... Mm was, I think, 
the best of his generation in cones of moral coniquence. Obviously, mm-hmm. the the Fiji uh, double perfect heats, absolutely surreal. Any left pit, uh, he's putting on a clinic. And then the bronze at the Olympics. Uh, I mean, I don't think I've yelled at a TV screen louder than that since the <laughs> Roosters broke their uh, 27-year grand final drought against the Warriors in 2002, Vaughan. It was one of them moments. Mm. I was dead set, shavitzing, yep. hog vein at full throb. And, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, these these had as big or bigger impact than watching Australians win world titles over the years. So he's got a lot to be proud of. It's mm. all in context, you know. Um, it's all about where you started out and where you finish uh, a lot of the time in sports. So, yeah, I don't think he's, he should be too hung up on not winning a world title. For me, that that's not the, the hallmark of his career. It's the grit, Vaughan, mm. the comebacks, yep. uh, what, what his performances meant for, you know, just the, the country and the, uh, the, the inspiration and motivation you can get from him. Just unbelievable. That's just well said, Smithy. I couldn't agree more. I think that, you know, this episode that we're talking about is really drilling down on the fact that, you know, the cut's coming. Uh, he is really just dialed in on what he's known his whole life, and that's surfing in a rashy. Um, but everything he's achieved and all of that is to be sort of reflected upon at a later date. Like in terms of the, the show, you know, he's still got heats to surf. He's uh, trying so hard to just keep what his version of the dream at this particular point in his life is alive. And he, that that's all you, you're tripping on. Like he's had a year to marinate on sort of like what, what matters and, and where he's at and life outside of the Rashi. And I think that, you know, we're going to, we're going to see a, a new chapter in Owen Wright's surfing life appear. And it could be fucking the best one. I mean, all of that comp- competitive success and, the influence and, and inspiration that he's provided, Smithy, that's all one big chapter of, uh, and maybe the first chapter of a, a life that will be fucking deep in the orb. Oh, wait. No doubt there, there's it. no way he's not getting coned off his fucking dial. And uh, whatever hair is left, Smithy, he's no doubt going to get blown into the channel, <laughs> uh, you know, as soon as he, he taps into whatever this new journey is going to be. So. Yeah, I, I'm excited for O. I reckon, um, you know, regardless of, of where he goes from here, we, we've got so much to be frothing about. And I think he would be well aware and, and able to process just what he did with his life. Yeah, the world title, he was definitely good enough to win one. I mean, he was challenging, challenging Slater there three events in a row at one stage. They had back-to-back finals, um, which was fucking – that was when we were kind of going, holy shit, what's going on here? And he was winning with airs. Not even cones, mate. So, yeah. Fuck, it's, it's, it's exciting. But that, that episode is just brilliant, man. Like, Tyler as well, you know, just sort of re-emerging after, I don't know, the COVID break and a couple of world titles and then that, that sort of uh, chronic fatigue that she suffered in you know, Africa or whatever. And she, she's just come back and she's just 100% fierce in her fucking belief in who she is and what she's about. And happily, Pretty fucking wild, isn't it? Happily married to this train-spotting Newcastle punk wife. <laughs> She's a legend. Well played. And yeah. uh, also, man, uh, you know, just a quick gaffs off to the big O2, Vaughn. Gaffs oh, off. Off of the, off of the gaff. Uh, to be taking care of his old man, Rob, in his time of need. Like, for me, that's the stuff that really hits yeah. hard. Like, you know, yeah, all the surfing accolades and uh, surfing ambitions. Like, great. Like, yeah, but... 
ultimately, you're still just doing shit for yourself in your mm. own ends. Like, the, the real mark of a man is uh, their ability to take care of their family. You know, that's selfless service. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's so radical. And I can only imagine the kind of mental... The, 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 the level of fear that must creep into, oh, seeing his old man... Um, decline in such a radical way with a, a cognitive issue like that, yeah. a, a neurodegenerative disease like that, because that is exactly what is forecasted for people who have a history of head injuries. Mm. Um, so there's, but uh, the beauty of this day and age is that, you know, brain science is very advanced. We know so much about what uh, makes the brain tick, what regenerates it. And, uh, mm. you know, just quickly to, we're going to actually have a yarn with Sterling Spencer about this uh, very soon. So mm. uh, we can go into a bit more depth with him on that. But yeah, you know, you, uh, psilocybin mushrooms, lion's mane, uh, you know, various nootropics, uh, alpha brain uh, on it. Um, some of those uh, companies are, yeah, there's, there's a lot of shit you can do for your brain. Meditation, breath work, ice baths, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, fuck, mate. I get that panic in my mind uh, about early onset dementia and, and stuff like that. I can't, and I'm not confronting the spectre of it in my own family. Uh, and I don't imagine Rob had a heap of head injuries like Owen has. Um, so, mm. yeah, that, that, that must weigh pretty heavy at times. Yeah, I would for sure. I mean, you can just see how the toll it's taking emotionally. And, and you know, I can't imagine you're dealing with all of this stuff behind closed doors and you've still got to somehow put your, your competitive hat on and go and surf heats to keep your career alive. Like, that's a pressure cooker situation that nobody wants to be in uh, and I'm you know at, at times you can use it as motivation and at other times I'm sure it just makes you weak at the knees and you can't perform so fuck it's a it's a powerful lap that one yeah uh just one other thing Smithy on make or break have we got a bone to pick with this show well, just was- a small bone have we got like a little tiny bone to pick here there was uh, a slight decontextualising of one of my snippets, one of ah, our snippets. Victims of the reality TV editing room, are we? Uh, it would appear <laughs> so. I mean, it's far, it's far beneath us. It's far from our bag of tricks to be decontextualising people's comments <laughs> and quotes. We'd never stoop so low as to uh, enter that realm of sensationalist journalism. But, uh, yeah, I, I did notice uh, there was a snippet lifted from one of the episodes talking about Gabby Medina uh, as he went through that divorce of his wife mm. and his parents. And, uh, you know, there was, it was two words. They said, the Medina meltdown was my voice. Yep. There on an Apple TV, a Jobsy bra production. <laughs> dog. Hey. Dog. Oh, sorry. Still fucking getting your fingers in your smitty from the grave. Oh, dear. But uh, I just thought, yeah, I mean, a bit unfair because really, like, uh, if you listen to that full snippet, we go in deep on Medina's situation and it, it's not even about the fucking divorce of the wife. It's the divorce from the parents. Mm. Uh, and I saw firsthand how tight that relationship was with his stepdad at, you know, World Junior events, at his first World Tour events and over the years. And um, we talked at length about the fucking absolute emotional chaos and catastrophe that that whole situation was and we're quite earnest about it. We're even saying he should move to Australia, get away from the fucking hordes of pestilent Mm. fans in Brazil Mm -hmm. and the constant invasions of privacy. Just come out here and whack a couple with Mick and Kingy. So (laughs) they used none of that. Uh, In fact, they just bookended the section with Kingy going, oh, small-minded gossip as if it was us. (laughs) 
Oh, I love it. I love it. It's it's we've been mediated. We've been mainstream uh, media, unbelievable. mate. Oh dear. What what can you do? At least we've got this platform to explain ourselves, Smitty. That's right. Don't believe the hype, folks. But epic show, and um, yeah, I'm giving it two. Well, five out of five cone pieces. Yes, yeah, so five cone pieces. Yeah. Number four. Surf films are hard, Vaughn. It's a dry Glindo Glinderman. Feature film on Stab that almost never was. Uh, it came, I think, a year late and 20K over budget. He was uh, the first Grom chosen for Stab in the Dark, but got injured at the Burley single fin, ballooned out on the Elvis and Oki cheeseburger mm. diet. And uh, the, then they kind of realised that... I think he might get Lennox pizzas for free. Oh, right. So uh, he would have been down there every second day just with Mez and the boys just scoffing them. Nom, 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 nom. Oh, can I get another sauce. half chook put on that next one, Mezzy? <laughs> oh, mate. Can I get some more cheese on this next one, bro? Oh, fuck. Those Lennox pizzas are good shit. <laughs> well, in fact, cheese does have a similar compound uh, to opium that hits the opioid oh. receptors. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's fucking w- the next best <laughs> thing to a twee junkie, isn't he? <laughs> Old Glinda just fucking squeezing cheese balls, <laughs> melted cheese down his gullet on the couch. Just, <laughs> up, up, up. Yeah, you, can, you can actually picture <laughs> him. Just sitting there, like resting a beer on his foot, on his oversized belly, and just pizza cheese dripping off his chin. He's just like, oh, and then Danny Johnson on the phone going, "Hey mate, can we? How's your ankle? Can we get this foot going? Or, or oh, can we get this film going? Down, hey, just give me some more Blenix pizza. I've got varicose veins. I got yeah, neck rolls. Oh no, no shape. He's <laughs> filming a fucking surf film, Jono. Oh dear. But, uh, yeah, look, uh, so, I mean, another reason they realised that uh, this film project couldn't go ahead was that they only had footage of him at Lennox and they needed some more variety. Mm. All valid reasons. Uh, but, yeah, I, I kind of I disagree on one point, and, and that's that when it comes to the great style masters of all time, Vaughn, I'm not that desperate for variety. Mm. I'm pretty fine with surfers surfing to their strengths, and I would happily watch dry surf only right points for hours on end, mm. uh, just like I've watched Torrin only surf right points and slabs for hours on end, just as I've watched Curran primarily go right mm. points, slabs, reefs and beach breaks. Uh, yeah, I, to actually, you know, just to put on the record, I'm so desperate for my Glindo footage of him surfing right points. I'd, uh, mate, I'm, 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 I'm dead set, not far off, just... <laughs> Getting the old fucking Steeden out and studs and Bondi United Silks and just running him <laughs> around the uh, Lennox Trojans home ground, mm-hmm. cracking a whip, hurling obscenities at the him. The Trojan Dome. Mm. Get him out there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's just so buttery and juicy and delicious. I want to bury my face in it like a fruit trifle and let the dri- juices drip down my mm-hmm. chin, Vaughn, that mm-hmm. footage of Glindo on right points. Uh, if it was up to me, I'd be dispatching that kid to every right point on earth mm. with a swag a filmer and an ATM card and telling him not to come home until he's filled that 500 gigabyte drive with footage. Fair enough? Very muff? Oh, Thoughts? Yeah. No, I uh, I back that. It's got a touch of the uh, overthinking about it. Uh, the the whole accidental burn of calling Glindo surfing on right points boring. You know, not enough variety. It's like, uh, especially when, you know, Pump and Lennox is the ultimate canvas for a board test. Like, you could literally not be more fair. You've got, like, a blank page and a handful of different brushes to create your masterpiece. 
I mean, imagine telling Picasso, Smithy, that yeah, there's a bit too much cubism in your paintings, mate. Do you reckon we could, like, uh, mix it up with a few caricatures or, yeah. or maybe some airbrushing, bruh? You would have thrown a cube straight at your dome. Yeah, I know. You would have gone, what the... Fuck you! Uh, yeah. But I think, um, in defence, Stab are releasing a full surf edit of all the clips from Lennox. I think a few crew got in contact and was like, hey, where's the surfing in this goddamn thing? I'm missing uh, my Glindo Wright point footage. Look, I'm missing Gorgonzola cheese out of a melted tub. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think, uh, so th- there's a surf edit coming, which is great. Well, you'll, you'll get your fix. You'll get to quaff. You'll get to go the full Lennox pizza cheese experience. Oh, and just, my blah, blah, blah. Oh. But, mate, um, uh, I don't know. I, I love this film still, you know, uh, uh, despite the fact that the surfing, uh, we didn't get a whole lot of variety, but, or, or, or even surfing, for that matter. But, Smithy, it was fun to sort of deep dive into the mechanics of what making a surf film is like. And I just thought the blueprint, this particular blueprint of, of creating a story around how the film was made would be bullshit in, if you applied it to all your favourite movies. Like, imagine Richard Woolcock and Slater talking about, you know, all the things went right and wrong in the making of Kelly Slater and Black and White and how they sort of pieced it together and did the vision sort of match up with what their original idea, like what, what ended up coming out. Imagine like uh, Oki and McCoy talking about those early trips to Nihi and, and, the, and the Oki's left because I know that they spent fuck tons of time up there. It's, uh, it's not really a swell vacuum. So you, back in those days, they were just camping and crossing their fingers and hoping for the best. And they must have had some fucking insane stories from those trips, man. And I don't know. I just thought that this uh, this whole structure that Danny Johnson has come up with, Danny is a freak. Like, he's a fucking absolute genius, creative, amazing sense of humor. I've worked with him for years. But I reckon, um, you know, this is just one failed board test that they ended up making a really entertaining little, you know, fucking experience, viewing experience. Very, very fun to watch. And I just think that if we did that with Blue Horizon, Flying the Champagne, all these great flicks, we'd have uh, these an epic sort of making of series that would just tell these stories that haven't been told or lost, lost behind the uh, the curtain of that selling the dream, that perfection, the surf movie ideal that we all watch when we invest in one. Yeah, I don't what care do what form it comes in, Vaughn. Just give me my fucking Glindo footage. <laughs> I'll take it any way you can uh, send it direct. To Smithy slides into my DMs. What a surfer, eh? Yeah. Being starved here. The surfing will be there. Oh, just give it to me. Darn stab. Raw footage, I'll cop a five-hour hard drive, anything. Mm. Anything. Number three. The inaugural swellness pilgrimage, Vaughn. It's happening. We're going to India. What? That's right. There's 10 spots available on this inaugural swellness pilgrimage to India. But don't worry if you miss out. There will be several more trips headed there uh, this year and next year, I'd say. Uh, each trip will feature one of our swellness all-stars uh, on the inaugural one. Of course, the punch-drunk pikey. Yep. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we haven't locked in any names yet or spoken to any of our swellness all-stars. But, mm. mate, who's going to say oh. no to a trip to Dharamshala in India? So uh, you might end up with Tony Carroll, Jody Cooper, Asha Pacey, Richie Vass, mm. Lockie Rambouts, or uh, Benny and Nate from the Surfing Soldiers, Paulie Mets. Anyway, yeah. yeah. It's a mad, uh, a mad opportunity. And the trip will more or less look like this. Uh, we'll be landing in Dharamshala in the Indian Himalayas, which is also the home of the Dalai Lama. 
and a massive Tibetan refugee community. Uh, we'll be visiting their monasteries, hopefully catch a lecture from the Dalai. Mm. He does uh, He does do them regularly, although less so now, given he's 90 years old. But, uh, you know, there'll be many uh, Rinpoches and uh, holy men kicking around. So mm. uh, we'll seek an audience with them, cop some Tibetan chanting, maybe uh, do a Tumo breathing workshop. Uh, but each day we'll start, as it did at Swellness, with group breath work, uh, ice baths in frigid streams and waterfalls, yoga and meditation. Uh, there's a number of small hikes and treks through the Himalayan foothills, uh, one of which will take us through Manali, which is home of the world-famous Manali cream variety of hashish, mm. widely said to be the best in the world. And this is all just the tip of the iceberg. There will be cacao ceremonies, jam nights, mini doofs. Uh, there's also a ton of waves in India, in the Andaman Islands, which is uh, west of the Mence, but only accessible via India and Sri Lanka. It's all in season. Uh, the, the trip's going on from, uh, I believe, the 22nd of May till the 6th of June. So all those waves will be popping off. Uh, and we also have to fly through Singapore to get home anyway if you're coming from Oz. So Singapore, very short mm-hmm. jump to uh, Sumatra. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in Sumatra or uh, Bali, elsewhere. Yeah, so... Um, Mate, ten uh, spots maybe. Ten spots. Don't freak out if you miss out because there will be. Uh, I think another four trips mm. uh, is the goal. I mean, it's all a, a prototype. We're, we're seeing how it flows. Yeah. Uh, register your interest at upthesweliens at gmail You'll be chatting with Imo. Imo's leading it. So I guess the the, the main perk of this is Imogen. And if you're at Swellness, you would have copped Imogen, mm. d- a.k.a. DJ Bhakti Baby, mm. uh, who was one of the real revelations of the festival. It's fantastic. Um, you know, she's lived in India for years. She was there throughout COVID. And one of the things that has always freaked me out about India, I've always wanted to go there, mm. but it's the sheer scale of the country, the people, the cultures. And I was just always fearful that I would get overwhelmed, mm. lost in it all. So the beauty of this trip is that uh, Imogen has done all these trails. She's done all these things. She knows the lay of the land. Her partner is a Himalayan man from uh, India. Mm. And she's basically curated this amazing trip for us. Fantastic, um, man. Fuck, it's off tap, man. If you're looking, if you're feeling a bit down or burned out, this will be the biggest kick up the coit <laughs> you could possibly get, except on the tip of that pointy iron Williams, there'll be a steel little love heart cattle brand. Mm. Uh, so yeah, Mate, it will be. Uh, I cannot wait to get there just just for the absolute mental rejuvenation mm, that this promises. The cleansing and the rejuve. Oh man, like ugh, freak! I, I definitely need it, and I know a lot of people that do. Uh, I think prices were looking at two and a half grand for the the trip, not including flights. Yep. Flights are looking uh, anywhere from twelve hundred to nineteen hundred return. Um, this is open to anyone on the planet, by the way. Yeah. Um, We'll coordinate flights and that. We're, we're trying to bring the flights down. We're talking to a few travel agencies right mm. now. So, uh, mate, it's all happening. Fantastic. And that, that is the cheapest possible price we can do. And th- there is a reason for that. We did the same at Swellness. We're trying to get these experiences to the people that need them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the, the battlers. Um, so, yeah, this is going to be fucking off tap. Can't wait. Number two. The GOAT. And Mick, that fucking good fanning, are set to team up in a surfing blockbuster humbly titled The Greatest Surf Movie in the Universe, mm. starring, among others, Thor's brother. And, uh, yeah, so apparently Mick and Goat will feature as their futuristic alter egos uh, the offbeat 
adult comedy will include stop-motion animation characters. And I just thought, why? This reeks of mm. the mangled synapses of one Vaughn rinsed corn deadly. Hey, is it so? It is so. Give us the scoop. It's so, it's so. Three and a half years, or actually three years it's been now since we first started working on this, Nick Pollitt and myself. Uh, he spent two and a half years in his garage, Smithy. The entire thing is filmed or made, the stop motion animation, in his garage. He had uh, a child in that time. He renovated his house and moved in that time. Like, fucking, it just, I can't believe this thing is actually finally coming out. It's a little bit of a stretch to say that uh, Luke Hemsworth and Kelly Slater have teamed up on this project. Uh, I don't know if I'd describe it like that at all. But Mick and Luke Hemsworth are certainly in it. And uh, Mason Ho and Griffin Colapinto are in it. Jack Freestone and Matt Wilkinson are in it. And there are a few other special guests and stuff, but I can neither confirm nor deny that Kelly is in it. Mm. So that's where I'm leaving that one. But yeah, uh, the first release went public about this thing, you know, about a week ago, I think, Smith. And mate, uh, yeah, it's just scary. I'm, I'm fucking, I mean, I think it's going to come out in May sometime and I, I've been having a lot of sleepless nights because this is the most terrifying thing that I've ever fucking made. If I've, I've never put my name to anything more terrifying than this project because it is an R-rated adult surf comedy. Ooh. And it, like, it it opens the door for a lot of hatred, man. <laughs> like, I know that people are going to love this thing. Like, I I've, I've can almost guarantee that most Swellians will tap straight into the humour, the fucking absolutely diabolical plot, the fucking rancid, lazy writing, and the, you know, fucking... Let's put it bluntly, the sort of less than university standard stop, stop motion animation. But we made it. We did it. It's going out there. And, uh, yeah, I'm just going to have to uh, sit back and cop the hate. And you know what? Fuck it, Smitty. At least we made something that had never been done before, man. And I can't wait for you to see it. I think it'll blow your head off. Mm. Yeah, I must say uh, that that statement from the press release that Kelly Slater and Luke Hemsworth have teamed up on this project. Oh, yeah. It did have me picturing them in a, a boardroom, you know, discussing plot lines and narratives and uh, just endlessly doing takes to get the get get it all perfect, you know, just like a, a kind of Francis Ford Coppola, mm-hmm. Marlon Brando dynamic. Uh, but what you're saying is that it wasn't quite like no, that. No, no, that's, uh, that's, that's stretching the truth real wide, my friend. But, uh, yeah, no, nah, look, it's... Um it's it's done. I think May we'll start to see uh, maybe the first premieres sliding around the country. So keep an eye out, Swellians. The greatest surf movie in the universe. I mean, the name says it all. You know it's going to be a heap of shit. Mm. But it's going to be a funny heap of shit. Well, you heard it here the first, uh, Swellians. The truth was yet again stretched by these PR flat catches <laughs> as wide as a retired porn star's prolapsed ring hole. And I should say I'm proud of this thing too. Like, I'm really proud of it. Like, it's scary, but it's fucking really good, man. I, I'm, it's hard to talk about to me because I just don't know what I'm in for here. I don't know what, what anyone's in for, but fuck, if you don't laugh, you've, you, must be, you must be a pretty cynical, bitter, serious person. We might have been entertained by Sunset Vaughn, but the surf gods were not. The World Tour Elite doth earn the wrath of the surf gods, in fact. 
None more so than the Sunset Rain Man himself, Gary Kong Elkerton, mm. who was among the handful to line up and deliver a Roberto Carlos RM Williams straight up the coit of the creme de la creme of competitive surfing. Now, here's had what he had to say on Instagram mm. about the event and the insipid performances in it. <laughs> I was hoping at the event this year someone might have the balls to gear up on the right equipment and go out and get a West Peak. Very boring watching whitewater takeoffs on 6.2s and 6.4s. Sorry for the rant, but that's not the way to surf Sunset Beach. And he'd know, Vaughan. He would He would know. know. Uh, Sean Thompson, the 77 at World Champ, chimed in on the thread. Keep choosing a 6.2 and you'll keep getting clipped while you run out of rail and drive, no matter how good you are. Pagey then, our very own Robbie Page. Uncle Robbie. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. Continued the pile on. If anyone caught a real wave from outside, I'd say it would get half the score for only surfing the inside point for those crew that surf in there. Fucking waste of sunset. Get out the back. Get it, India. Or go to India. <laughs> then it was 89 world champ Potts' turn. Sunset is on at the moment. How times have changed. Guys are riding 6-2s. This is a 7-6. It was my go-to at sunset. And wouldn't dream of riding a shorter board. That was a, a standalone Instagram post. In and, which, and the photo is yeah, and a bullshit. Photo. I mean, it's fucking like right up there with that Munga shot just about. He's just right in the in the lip of a really thick West Peak as it's standing up. I and mean, he's under it. Like, it's, it's terrifying, man. Uh, TC then piled on. Yeah, Potts. I don't get it. Uh, Kong again. Continuing the pile on, mate, it's just blowing my mind the way 90% of these guys are trying to surf sunset. Taking off on the inside in the white water, not even trying to get out to the peak. Hard to watch. Thompson again. Some abominably bad board choices yesterday at sunset. Even the hottest of the hot was taken out by riding a 6-2. You don't take a blade to a gunfight. You mm. take a gun. Grumpy old men, Vaughn or Furry Muff. Mate, uh, it... Uh... It sounds like the old pro nursing home has uh, someone's dropped a few too many of their their afternoon wake up pills into the coffee, and they're just they're, they're lighting up, Smithy. They're lighting up, mate. Oh, geez, to be an inmate at that nursing home, how fun! Mm. But um, I think if you watch Filthy Habits, remember that old Billabong movie, Filthy Habits. So the last section in that movie is kind of a highlights reel from the '87 Billabong Pro, I think it is, uh, won by. Kong, uh, I believe. Anyway, it's just an avalanche rodeo. Like, it's just, you know, Shane Haran doing 50-meter belly boarding roll-ins down the West Peak. Uh, Kong, you know, doing 200-yard fades before the wave is even broken. And it's just full open ocean gliding, man. They're like gannets out there. They're like fucking seabirds just flying along these open faces, you know, like the pelicans do in all the early Taylor Steele films, just whoosh, gliding along, tip of the wing in the fucking face of the wave. But they do have a point because if you're sitting under the lip on the bowl and you're hoping to get like, you know, a carve, a snap, and then a pit, I mean, fuck, you're leaving a lot of meat on the bone out to sea. Like, There's a lot of waves to be surfed out there. So I kind of do understand that they feel like there's they're not surfing sunset properly. And, and Derek Hind has a similar sort of gripe with the way that J-Bay surf, that everyone sits down on that sort of uh, super section and 
tries to just get the maximum out of the wave when there's still another 100 or so yards up the tip of the point that they're not bothering with anymore. And um, it all screams to me that there is a growing chorus from ye old guard, mm. Smitty, to bring back length of ride into the criteria. Ooh, that's controversial. Can you see it? Yeah. Well, I feel like these people are going, we need to stand up, form a union, and bring length of ride back to the criteria because people aren't surfing long enough. Yes, well, uh, that's a, a good point, Fawn, and uh, definitely petered out in the 80s and 90s. Uh, no, probably the 80s, even gone length of ride as a part of the criteria in favour of this explosive one-hitter trickery. Mm. Is that all pro surfing amounts to these days? Just some flashbang whiz in the pan? Well, what would you rather watch? Would you rather watch uh, the majestic ballet-like wonder of a full floor routine at gymnastics or just some fucking ding-dong flinging himself off a pummel horse. Yeah. What are you looking for? Well, it's a no-brainer. I mean, if you're <laughs> asking me whether I'd watch Shane Haran swooping in of a 200 to 500-meter fade like some kind of half-human, half-gannet. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly r- what I'm asking. Ripping off a couple of top turns in the bowl on his lasers app versus Philippe Toledo's flippy-floppy fizz whizzers. Well, it's a no-brainer. I'm going to take Scum Valley's finest 24-7-365. hmm hmm Yeah, I think there's uh, big changes afoot here in the criteria. If the legends have got their noses out of joint, it's only a matter of time. It, it does bode the question, though. Uh, you know, I was fairly entertained by the surfing at sunset. I mean, uh, break it down for me, Vaughan. It's not a wave I've spent a whole lot of time on. Uh, you know, I checked it from the beach uh, over the course of my two-month stay on the North Shore several times. It always just looked like this giant unruly fucking avalanche uh, lineup. So where they were sitting, they're essentially sitting on the North Peak. They're looking for North Peak with a, with a, a West Bowl section on it. So they, they're getting the North Peak into the West Bowl, whereas the waves these guys are talking about are big West Peaks that also have a West Peak on them. So they're coming out of the, the channel kind of thing. Uh, and they're rolling in off the West Peak and then into that mm. side bowl as opposed to just avoid. I didn't really even see any of those West Peaks in the event, but the broadcast doesn't capture the entire sunset lineup. It's yeah, so I mean, basically, sunset's a point, right? So in a north swell, it breaks like a point. It's like it, it runs down, and you can kind of see uh, there was a lot of that on the final day there where you just had those beautiful sort of open-face platforms for the boys and girls to just go fucking nuts on. But when it's huge, when it's really huge, that West Peak breaks so far fucking out to sea, man, that by the time it starts getting towards the tip of the point where everyone's taken off now, it's, it's twice as long. So you, you, you can actually surf so much wave out the back there. But the thing is, you're just kind of fat backing it a lot. Uh, it's the drop that everyone, like, you know, that's where, that's where the meat, meat for extra points would be because I think what's pissing off the old guard is that drop was a legitimate fucking scary motherfucker to get into. And that's mm. why the Munger photo, uh, the Michael Mungerberry Art Brewer shot, hanging, hang dogging under the lip of the West Peak, is so famous. Because anyone who surfs out there knows how thick, how fast, how powerful that fucking p- part of the wave is. So I can understand why these guys who, you know, went over there, and don't forget, man, like Rabbit, Ian Cairns, like all those crew who, all the Aussies who made their name in Hawaii, did it surfing onshore sunset. Like pipe came a bit later, but it was all about 
ripping at sunset. That's how you made your name in Hawaii. And all those guys, man, when on days when no one would surf and it was fucking ginormous and semi-crossshore or onshore, that's when those Australians were out there and that's why they've got their nose out of joint because they're going, fuck, man. Like, yeah, okay, we can shred on the inside, but we already know that you can shred. Like, let's surf this wave properly. Let's give it the respect that it's due and fucking ride the thing from start to finish. So these guys sitting on the North Peak uh, in the event, were they wearing these things on the head? Yeah. Or? Yeah, the worst thing that can happen to you out there is you dart in to get some of that north action and the West Peak closeout set comes. Because that thing, man, it, it's so fucking west. Like, I was out there one day. It was one of the first times I ever surfed it, and I was sitting next to Ken Bradshaw, and the West Peak, a set came on the West Peak, and he started paddling. Like, you know, normally if a set comes, you paddle wide, you know, to get around it. So mm-hmm. you know, And he starts paddling, like, straight up towards the, the tip of the, the point. So he's paddling, like, all your body is screaming, no, i got to get fucking wide, and he's paddling deeper because you can actually avoid that West Peak occasionally if, it's, if you paddle deep enough. So, yeah, it was fucking terrifying, man. And, and uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a tricky wave, but I will say this. Like, of all the waves on the North Shore, if you want to just experience the true feeling of surfing in Hawaii and you're, you're a kind of average to semi-competent punter, that's where you go. Like, you know, you, you pipe, you, you're going to be fucking risking your life and risking other people's lives by surfing it. Haleiwa is super fun, but but busy. And then there's a, a heap of, like, waves in between that just don't have that sort of, like, you know, that fucking feeling like you've done something, like you've ticked, ticked a bucket list box or whatever. Sunset is 100% that wave. Like, if you and I go surfing in Hawaii in the next coming years, that's where we'll spend most of our time. Between there and Rocky Point, because Rocky Point's fun. But bring the eight zero though. Bring the eight zero, mate. Bring the big boards. I, I I remember Carrier. So yeah, this is Sam Carrier, the uh, QS gritty muscle man, sock man, fucking heathen, big wave charger. And uh, I was staying with him at the Turtle Bay, and and he said, "What's your biggest board?" And I said, "It's a six ten. And he fucking laughed. Went into his bedroom and came out with a fucking eight one, and said, "There you go. We're going to sunset." And I'll, I'll never forget it. Paddling out there was just fucking unbelievable. I was like, it, it's just a spectacle that you really have to experience once in your life. And you can do it pretty safe. You can, you can get out there and have a look around and not feel like you've got to get in the way or, or, or uh, you know, like catch waves to just get the, the feel of the joint. But when you, uh, when you finally get in position to turn and catch one, oh, it's one of the best feelings in surfing, man. And then you've got to deal with the shorey on the on the come in because it is fucking pure death. Oh yeah, not many people tell you, but getting in at Sunset Beach is fucked up. Nearly cut Luke Kennedy's fucking head off. Oh yeah, that's right. He got impaled in on that Sunset shorey. It actually, slit his throat. Yeah, his board broke, slit his throat, and uh, they nearly died. Yeah, <sighs> who saved him? Ross Clark Jones or something. Uh, yeah, it was Ross Clark Jones, and I think Mark Healy just had his uh, esophagus. He was just breathing straight down, and his head was dead set. Hitting the back of his neck. Whoa, flip top. Jeez, mm. he looks good on make or break though. Oh, they stitched him up into the line. Oh, didn't they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> made a few improvements, mate. Oh, maybe. <laughs> goat watch, Smithy. I'd have to get a little song going for Goat Watch. Yeah, I reckon. It's worthy. Have we got we haven't got a song for Goat Watch, have we? I don't believe so. Well, what are you thinking? What style should we do the uh, Goat Watch theme song in? Uh, maybe a, a sea shanty, or we kind of uh, used that up, didn't we? Yeah, we've got the sea shanty covered. What about uh maybe something reggae? Mm. 
Well, here's oh, some he- Island Beats, some Barbados goat yeah. sounds. We know he's a big fan of the Super Bowl, which is near the beach, man. Oi! is using his considerable weight, platform, and breadstick mm. to weigh in on this vaccine stitch-up. And what a stitch-up it was, Vaughn. Fucking hell. You know, I'm one step off getting a can of deodorant, a box of matches, and burning this whole fucking shit show to the ground. Mm-hmm. We are living in some kind of bizarro world where the self-proclaimed truth-tellers and guardians of public safety... Filling your veins with gibberish, your head with horse shit, and your cornhole with the stumpy fingers of some priest or bourgeois elite. Mm-hmm. But only if you're a minor. Uh, anyway, I digress. This is what the goat had to say about the vaccine schmozzle. A number of people I know died, the just-turned 51-year-old said. I know a doctor who stopped administering it in Australia because two... All three of his patients... Oh, see that? I, I burped. I, I, I'm pretty yeah. sure that was a symptom of myocarditis right mm. there. You mm. heard it here on the program. Mm-hmm. It's fucked me. Uh, oh, mate. I know a doctor who stopped administering it in Australia because two or three of his patients died on the Sunshine Coast. My mum was personally affected. She lost feeling in her jaw and tongue and in her hands and feet. She has what seems to be some type of transverse... Myelitis, a neurological condition caused by an inflamed spine. Transverse myelitis, fawn. What well, else? Has he, they just dropped, has he just dropped this? Uh, as he like, did he drop that word just into this interview? Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. No. No. Nothing's beyond the goat. Boy. Nothing is beyond the goat. My friend's mother from Barbados. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, is in hospital right now in Florida, and she's dying slowly from the effects of the Pfizer vaccine. She's on a quick, dark, downward spiral, and they don't know how to fix it. It's baffling to me that anyone would be forced to have a vaccine to keep their career, their job, their schooling, their place in society, their ability to go buy food in the store, all these things. It's like, wait for it, Vaughn, mm. a dystopian society. Dystopian, Vaughn, took the words right out of my mouth, and when the goat speaks... I listen, and he's on one right now. I mean, the question really needs to be asked at this point. We kind of discussed it earlier in the program, but is he our shamanic spirit molecule toad jizz smoking saviour? I think so. Yes. I'm going to say yes. I mean, history has not looked kindly upon COVID. In fact, everything seems just so deeply sus. Suspect, Smithy. And the goat is one person who isn't being quiet, and I kind of respect him for that. I mean, I was fucking neither here nor there on the whole vaccine thing just because, you know, I just didn't really have a fucking strong view about it. But I don't like that people who fucking question or ask questions of, you know, how these things came to be, what are the repercussions of them, are being silenced. That's fucking real sus, man. Not only silence, oh, yeah, but, but also, shamed, yeah, shamed, exactly, publicly humiliated, deplatformed, 
Like, it's fucking wild. And yet it turns out that COVID was an absolute beat-up deluxe, yet there's no culpability on behalf of the mm. media. Uh, and, oh, mate, it just reeks of the biggest fucking scam, one of many, uh, perpetrated this time by the pharmaceutical industrial complex. I mean, we're used to the military industrial complex scams, uh, you know, occurring in plain sight, the invasion of Iraq being uh, one of the all-time best. <laughs> well played, you fucking dogs. Mm. Uh, but, you know, the weapons of mass destruction, all that shit that didn't fucking exist, uh, neck minute, a million or more dead, and uh, endless war. But the prison industrial complex being another classic, an absolute classic. <laughs> well played. Yeah. Uh, and, and now the pharmaceutical industrial complex, you know, fresh on the backs of the OxyContin uh, addiction nightmare in the States. And, man, it, it just kills you. Literally, it's killing me. Mm. But uh, what else? I mean, yeah, it just gets more and more sus, doesn't it? All this mm. Project Veritas shit coming out about this, uh, what Pfizer executive talking publicly uh, just about the lack of... Uh, knowledge underpinning the uh, efficacy of these vaccines. Mm. And uh, I think, what do they say? Like, uh, we're about to conduct the the world's biggest random controlled study or something along those lines, you know, almost half-jokingly talking about uh, just the rollout of these vaccines mm. without any proper studies and, uh, you know, well, not the level of rigorous study that they deserve. So, mate, uh, they were all right. Mm. The anti-vaxxers were right on this one, mm. and it's time to admit that. Um, and, I mean, maybe. Let's say maybe. But they were, they were right to be sus, right to exercise their free will not to get them. Uh, the only reason I got them was uh, just purely because of the professional penalties, you know, not mm. being able to do the live shows, shit like that. There's no way I would have got that shit pumped into me uh, otherwise. But... Yeah, fucking disgrace. So uh, well played to the goat for having a crack, mm -hmm. uh, standing on that platform and swinging his weighty breadstick around. Under or over. Some bourgeois wankers in a super yacht have run aground at Honolulu Bay Vaughan. The scene of MR's wave of the day in free ride, no mm. less. Well, it was the crowning glory of the women's tour mm. for for many a decade. One decade. That's right. Uh, you know, the folklore of the fem goats, the, the dual fem goats, mm. uh, Lane Beachley and Steph Gilmore. And Tyler and Carissa have all been crowned on the sands of all the, the rocky shoreline of Honolulu. Crowned in the sands, etched into the reef. Well, now something else has been etched into the reef and it's the hull of this fucking super yacht. You fucking hell, mate. What a disgrace for one. Anyway, uh, this is from an Instagram post outing these rich wankers. The Nakoa is from Oahu and just... oh. There you go. Mm. A couple of tech heads from Oahu mm -hmm. who just want a merry sojourn through the islands, bruh. Just parking it up there on mm. fucking Honolulu Bay while they go uh, ashore and probably pillage the joint for pineapples or mm -hmm. whatnot. Anyway, the Nakoa is from Oahu and just started operating in Maui maybe five to six weeks ago. They were warned about overnight mooring at Honolulu Bay, which is not allowed at a marine wildlife conservation and preservation area. According to witnesses, this is what happened here. That's why they were there from reported distress 
at 6.45am and seen last night at 8pm. If anyone has evidence, we are getting reports that fuel is already leaking from this vessel, which won't be removed until Wednesday. Leave a review for this business, Haywa, and not Pono. Not exactly sure what that mm. means, but uh, there was an exclamation point. Oh, on, mate, on, you so. don't want you don't want the the haywire coming down on you. Don't mm. want haywires raining down upon you, Smithy. Sources say the Nakoa packages start at uh, nine thousand eight hundred dollars US from Maui for the boat. It's a thousand dollars to fifteen hundred dollars a night. Oh, how does it make you feel? Well, not since the hot safe fishing trawler that used to dynamite off uh, the book it there got. Drained or dragged into the reef at Padang Padang. Have I been this pissed off, Smithy? Mm. Not since the Pasha Bulker got marooned on nobbies and uh, were called upon by the fucking, what? I think there was about 30 or 40 WRX driving fucking Esche Bogan cunts from Charleston. They had to like tie the Pasha Bulker to uh, the, all their their bumper bars and, mm. and tow it off the fucking yeah, it was, sand. And what a sight it was when it ripped all bumper bars off in unison. I know. <laughs> it was wonderful, wasn't it? Oh, mate, you could hear those little fucking bogans crying, the little essays. But no, nah, this is uh, this is just an absolute disgrace. Well, who's going to pay for this? Is it is it going to be uh, the white-collar criminals who never fucking seem to be served any justice whatsoever? Or will it just be the locals who have to fucking swim around in oily petrol residue the next time there's a swell hit in Honolulu. Yeah. Who, who truly pays for this crime, Smithy? Oh, it's always the battlers. It's always the blue-collar shredniks out there trying to you know, get their little fix in the brine, get a bit of Vishnu, mm. and instead they're just getting slicked like a baby seal in an Arctic oil explosion. Yeah. What a disgrace. I can only imagine what Albie Lay is thinking about this and uh, some of the other Mawaiian core lords, Ty Van Dyke. Oh, you don't want to get on big oh. ties. Bad side, no way, I tell you. No. Nah. I'm sure there'll be a welcoming party uh, led by Volcom and Ty at the docks waiting for Nicole to get back to Oahu. Mm. Uh, they're better off just sailing into the sunset, I reckon, Vaughn. Well, they could do the uh, what the Indonesians did with the, the host, say, fuck, at Padang. And they just paddled out in their canoes and just stripped the thing fucking to the bone, mate. They took There was an entire uh, freezer full of fish inside the uh, host, say, fuck, and they took everything. And then they just uh, took everything else. They just stripped it down. I think at the very end there, there was like maybe, uh, I don't know, but maybe a couple of bolts left in the reef that, you know, some turtles were swimming around and stuff. And it, that, that was it. That's oh. all that was left. The Indonesians know how to dismantle it. I recommend to all our Maui friends and Swellians over there, just fucking get your spanner, get your thong, get your hockey strap, pillage that motherfucker. Well said, Vaughn. That's uh, that's your remedy right there. There's your instant fix. Just get on there and strip it. They'll come back and that thing will be up on bricks. <laughs> Nothing but a freaking yacht and a steering wheel. Uh, a yacht mast and a steering wheel. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's great that's advice. Great advice. Always look to the Indonesians for advice. Uh, yeah. I, I think they really blazed the trail in terms of uh, you know waste management and uh, you know waste disposal and uh, mm. uh, you know and then stripping um, wasteful westerners uh, whether it be of uh, the supplies of a yacht or uh, their money and uh, you know other things right. that they don't really need that much. Those super yachts, uh, they're packing a lot of 
a lot of fucking finance in them, mate. You can mm. pull a dollar out of uh, almost any single shred of square millimetre out of that thing. So uh, go for it. Look forward to that. Born a mass debate has erupted once more in Bourgeois Bay over the use or non-use, as it were, of leg ropes. Mm, uh, very follows, hot topic here. Mm, very much so. A steaming hot pile of corn-flecked topic right here, Vaughn. Mm-hmm. This follows the life-threatening injury sustained by ex-pro Matt Cassidy, who, by the way, has a mean frontside laceration, judging by his Instagram. <laughs> See what I did there, frontside? Oh, yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. But... Uh, under. An errant log at Wadigo's cut him from asshole to breakfast. An eyewitness report also suggested uh, the perpetrator was heard telling Cassidy, uh, sorry, bro, had a bit of a melt there. The next to say balls on me, bro. <laughs> that didn't go down that well. Um, so Cassidy had this to say in response. I am at home now and they've managed to save the arm. Well, Thank wow, God. It, it went deep, hey? Like oh. it, it cut the the main vein. Yeah. And he almost bled out on the sand. Yeah. Like it was bad. Yeah, it was bad. It was mm. bad. They were screaming, Medic! Medic! Kelly! Mm. Yeah, surprised the goat wasn't there with yeah, like no, some no. stitches and a, a thong and an hockey strap. The goat did fly over, but uh, the yeah. situation was under, under control by then. Um, yeah, so... Uh, they managed to save the arm. We aren't sure of the extent of the injury long-term, but I'll attack rehab the same way I do everything else. With everything I've got. And that, at this point, is one arm. But uh, he'll be attacking it with that yeah. one arm, born. He's going to be coming in swinging. Go, Fucking do it, brother. It's an Back emotional now. time, and I just want to take a second to address the girl involved in this horrible accident. This is where it really gets going. Mm. Maddie Cassidy, you're a gent, my friend. I hold you no bad will. I saw your face on the beach, and I have no doubt you have learned a lesson. You have my total forgiveness and compassion as long as you practice safe surf etiquette for the rest of your surfing life. I'd ask the community to do the same in regards to her, but let's continue the surf safety conversation this accident has started. We clearly need better education and management in the surf. What a gent. What an absolutely class act. Matt Cassidy, fucking, what a legend. I mean, what a fucked thing to go through, though. I, I actually, Smithy, the other day, I went to the pass and oh, didn't have a fin key. I had wax, thankfully. Um, thanks to Kate Club, signed up. Fucking get on that. Wax delivered to your door. Come on, Swillians, get him behind a fucking good Aussie product, mate. Support the crew who support you. Anyway, I was down there and um, I didn't have a leggy. So I thought, fuck, you know what? I'll just go for a paddle. I wasn't actually even going to surf because was, it, was, it was fun. But I was just going to sort of paddle. I, I felt like a paddle, really. So I walked down the beach without a leggy on, man, and I fucking felt real bad. Like I, I was walking down there, like about to paddle out, and it just felt so dodgy. Like I, I, and I back myself as a competent surfer, right? Like... I'm not out there trying to fucking bust the fins and and rip it up. I was on my 6'6", 20, so I was like, fuck, sweet. Like, I can go straight on this thing and no drama. I just think that if you're paddling out at a wave that crowded, even on a small day, there were fucking parents pushing their kids into fucking little waves out there. There was, like, beginners. There was older crew. I mean, there was a full, you know, experience of of surf. The surf community was out there. And, um... 
Yeah, man. I mean, I felt fucking nervous. I kind of caught a couple of waves and just really tentatively kept it pretty, pretty basic, you know, just to feel the glide. But I felt irresponsible. And I feel like if you're paddling out at a place like the pass uh, and you believe that you're good enough to fucking weave a fucking giant log like that through that crowd and also have the skill to, you know, manage it if it does that low-tide triple suck thing where the foam ball overtakes there because the bank's like psycho at the moment. You're kidding yourself. You're fucking absolutely kidding yourself if you think you're good enough to surf out there without a leash and not put other people's safety in jeopardy. So... Yeah, I learned a lesson. I was like, fuck, I won't be doing that again. And um, I really feel like living in a fantasy world, if you think you can surf out there safely without a leash, like you just can't do it. You're putting other people at risk. Mm. Well said. And uh, yes, for Matt Cassidy and his llama-esque attitude of compassion and forgiveness for the errant log and the uh, somewhat irresponsible woman, Behind it. I mean, she mm. said the leg had snapped, but do we buy it, Vaughn? I don't mm. know. Don't know. Mm. But uh, that's an over for Maddie. Over for Maddie. Huge under for anyone who's going to paddle out there without some sort of mindfulness to other people. It's not about you, you dog. Hey. It's not just about you. Dog. Oh, sorry. Now, Vaughn, uh, it may be taken out of our hands whether we want to surf with leg ropes mm. or not. Uh, there's been talk of a special leg rope. Task Heard force. about this, Smivy. Now, is I, this really where we need to go with this? Mm, is it? Senior Sergeant Gary Conehead mounting a special task force that will see Billy Club wielding pigs out there on the runaround, <laughs> handing out citations for shoddy looking leggy strings. Oh, geez. I mean, you can kind of see it now. Uh, hey, 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 hold on. Looks to me like there's a nick in that leg rope. And there's already a warrant out for you in Queensland mm. for a similar indiscretion. You're going away for a long time, buddy. Yeah, mate. Three You're strike policy. For a long, long time. Wow. I, I, heard, I got wind of this. I heard there was actually brought up in council that this was a, a legitimate idea that someone was floating to try and, you know, reduce the number of fucking near fatal encounters that people are having out at the pass. But is this really the road we want to go down, Smithy? Policing every last little... I mean, starts at nicks in your leggies. Where does it finish? Mm. But where does it finish? That's a bodgy-looking wax job, my friend. Yeah. I don't like a look at that. Ding police. Yeah, mm. they're going, hey, mate, mate, there's definitely water getting in here. You've got yeah. a bit of rail cancer going on here. Nah, you're going to... That's, that's an instant $50 fine. Yeah, I'm going to defect that. that yeah. That's defected. Yeah. Defected. You leave exactly. that on the sand. You're, you're walking home. Oh, mate, heavy. Well, the mind boggles. It goes back to the bad old days when you had to register your board. Mm-hmm. Don't say that out loud, mate. I, I reckon I reckon if uh, councils and governments got wind of this board registration thing, their fucking dollar signs would start lighting Ugh. up. Oh, next thing oh, you know, we're in deep shit. Deep, deep shit. Fucking desperate for an urn, those parasites, aren't they, Vaughn? Running out of ways to get an urn. Uh, looking at police in every last grain of sand. Mm. Even going out into the water's edge. Beyond the grains of sand, Vaughn. I mean, you can kind of picture it, can't you, conehead? Waiting well, out there. Imagine the, the high-speed chase at a wave like Snapper. So it's, let's say Mitch Parko's out there with no leggy on, mm. right? Senior Sergeant Detective Gary Conehead says, Mitch, I've got a fine for you. Stay there. Mitch sees a set coming. 
starts paddling. Senior Sergeant Gary Conehead paddles in behind him. Next thing, they're both flying down the line. Senior Sergeant's pulled out a little fucking flashing light and he starts going, woo, 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 woo. And we just start seeing this high-speed surf chase. It's like oh. a scene of, out of Magnum P.I. Oh, I love it. It actually might add a little bit of, you know, a little bit of drama to these lineups. Mm, I don't know. Could be a good idea for a TV show, if nothing else. Special leg rope task force, Vaughn. I'm going to have to give it an under. It's an under. It's a bit of overkill, I think. But uh, Final word? Final word on the uh, leggy debacle? I see you've got something pretty interesting here from someone who has been on the receiving end of of a leggy incident. It's the other side of the coin, isn't it? Mm. There's always a yin and a yang, and uh, both (laughs) sides must be taken into account. A yin and a yang, that's the sound of a... Leg rope pulling taut as the board flies back and <laughs> spears you with the eyeball. Which is what happened to Derek Hind, and uh, hence why he oh, believes no. leg ropes should be banned. This oh, is a- so this is 100% in opposition to everything we've talked about just now. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, well on the yang side of the debate. Mm. Now, this is a great scoop by Ethan Davis at Stab Magazine. Ethan goes direct. He's a direct young man, another skinhead from the eastern suburbs, mm. and he says, uh, what's the idea behind no leg rope? This will ruffle some feathers. DH then replies, maybe it will, but you see, I'm one of the few legitimate, conscientious objectors to leg ropes there can be. Lost an eye from one in competition in 1980. I don't particularly want to lose the other. When I commenced the whole FFFF, that's, uh, what is it? Friction free. Farfield. Farfield friction free. Fabulous. Mm -hmm. And he uh, began it because he wanted to decouple as much as possible from the ingrained surfing process. The leg rope is the greatest symbol of mass market surfing penetration in the history of Vaughan. Even more than the board short. Even more than the morbidly obese uh, Texan getting around in a Quicksilver Triple XL T-shirt mm. while eating crispy creams and mm. injecting blue vein cheese. Not scared to throw out the outlandish end of days doomsday comment, is he? Oh, he's yeah. fearless. He's absolutely fearless, Hind. Uh, with bearing on the day's packed lineup, only a minor fraction of that number would have been anywhere near that outer section had leg ropes not been such an umbilical cord. <laughs> I also field contact from people who've either lost eyes from leg ropes, be it their own or someone else's stupid bailout in front of them. Mm. Uh, Smivy being one of those people uh, who received a fractured skull and bleeding on the brain and a few nights in intensive care, courtesy of some pommy, some fop, some fresh off the plane geezer mm. on his mini mail in the rip bowl, just fucking blowing it and sconning me. Uh, Surfing was developed thousands of years ago as a test against the powers of nature. It's a capital N for nature. The surfer for the last 50 years has stacked the odds. I mean, look, if it wasn't for Mick Fanning's leg rope, uh, that really would have been tested in J-Bay. I mean, mm. geez, the, uh, the lucky the great white went the leg rope, but mm. not for Fanning. Uh, mm. Although maybe he would have just bitten straight into that bionic hamstring and just been like, doing Yeah. Get yeah. out of here. Anyway, uh, Ethan then goes on. I see your point. 
I'm slightly confused as to how they can cause damage, though. I guess it does make people careless with bailing boards that whip around underwater. Just, uh, it would have been scary if all 2,000 people out there were cordless, particularly the logs. Aha! That's the paradox, Mm. says Hind. Without leg ropes, there would have been 40 people out, max, and most of them nursing their boards. The spring back of the leg rope, the yang, Mm. is the monster. Also, the killer from kook third parties is the surfer who jumps off his or her board whilst looking out to the horizon, oblivious of the surfer in front of them at the point of jumping off. Oh, it's a classic, mm-hmm. isn't it, Vaughn? Yep. Uh, for every lost log I've seen at the pass, and I've seen a few, aka about 20 in a year, I've seen a thousand instances of this more dangerous move of jumping out the back of a wave without thought for the third party. It's a good point. Mm. 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 Look, I love surfing without a leggy. Like, it's such a good feeling. Like, I, I don't know. It, it is a full crutch, you know, having that leg right there. Like, you don't have to commit to turns. You don't have to sort of, like, uh, surf a wave perfectly from it's beginning to end. It's a coot cord. It's a coot cord. It always has been, and it always will be. don't know. I think Hines got a little point there, but I, I think it's more to do with I don't know if, if banning the leg rope is the way to go. That's all. Mm. I can't. I think that's pretty extreme. I think there's a lot of fun to be had surfing without leggies, but you've got to just pay attention to who's in the lineup and what's going on on that particular day. Because a loose board can go all the way into shore if you're surfing a back bank and knock some poor kid who's just jumping in the shore with his sister, you know? Yeah. Or his brother or his mum. I get the same feeling from surfing without a leg rope that I get from running around naked in nature and getting my dick in the dirt for mm. It's kind of like that, isn't it? It's a good feeling. It's a feeling of being free and yeah. it's nude. Just that you don't do it at the pass. You do it on an empty beachy when you're just there by yourself kind of thing, you know. Mm. That's the place. The only predicament, and it's a... Yeah, it's it's been uh, pointed to here with Hind is... Jeez, uh, it's also a dicey game. It's a dicey proposition surfing uh, isolated beach breaks with leg ropes because you'd be surprised how fucking... Awful you are at swimming mm. uh, when you lose your board and you get caught in a rip that's going out to sea and you just can't quite get to the board <laughs> and there's no one around to save yeah. you. Oof. Yeah, happens. Happens to the best of us. I mean, what would the world look like to me if leg ropes were actually actually outlawed? You weren't allowed to use them. Like, that would look pretty fucked up, wouldn't it? Oh, especially to Derek. When Jack O'Neill's son made leg rope number one, how could he have known he'd poke poor daddy's eye out? Oh, that patch ain't no shtick, it's the result of his stick. Like a knife stabbed into his face, fired from a slingshot. But then the coop called spread like COVID, and the doors were suddenly open. To a sacred place What a disgrace Did you call Makes up a sacred place Get rid of your lady Let's fuck the kooks off from this space If you're good enough to rip in Then you won't be scared of the screaming Take a leash away and back yourself Hi. Are you kidding? 
Are you kidding? Are you kidding?